Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter and later on our podcast channel, so please remember to like and subscribe. I'm joined by Mark Douglas. Mark, it is the international break, and Newcastle have come into it without a win this season. They were beating off Wolves 2-1 on Saturday, and that's where we'll start. Um, we've got to be beating sides around them, haven't they? And we know Steve Bruce is talking about that they'll keep going and you know, positives and what have you, but when you're not beating sides around you, they're teams that are deemed... Uh, rivals for safety, it, it, it's it's not a good look at all, is it? No, and I think I think the, the disappointment is obviously there were there were some positives I think to be had from the Watford game. Um, I think Watford are a poor side actually. I think they'll be they'll probably end up getting relegated. I think they'll be one of the three teams that I, I fully expect to be relegated anyway. Um, and you know you, you look at that and then you move on to the Wolves, who are probably a mid-table side this year, definitely a team in transition after Nuno uh, Nuno left and. It's a game where you, you know you'd expect them to 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 challenge to pick something up. I mean, they've they've taken something from Wolves in the last two seasons where they've gone there. It felt like they, they, there was a bit of a springboard from the Watford game, but again, it felt a bit disjointed. It's small margins for Newcastle at the moment, although the, the results have been pretty disastrous. You know, they haven't, apart from with the exception of the Manchester United game, they haven't been been walloped really by uh, by any team uh, recently. That it's been the odds goal here here or there. Or you know they've been they've been in games they've been competitive in games but like you said it, it, you know they haven't the small margins haven't gone their way um, and and you have to question quite a lot of the things that, that are happening at the moment with the team it doesn't look right they're tactically I think they're you know they're, they're, the setup doesn't look quite right they've obviously decided to go to go for it a little bit more this season after the success of what they had um, at the end of last season and it's not working at the moment. I mean, for me, the, the, the blame shared around. It's not just Steve Bruce, although I don't think he's he's getting the most out of this team now. And, I, and you know, I, I'm, I'm on record. I think you are as well as saying that a change would be for the best for Newcastle United. But I think also the hierarchy for the arrogance that they showed in thinking that um, you know that this squad was enough. They didn't need to. They didn't need to change it. They didn't need to add to it. Um, they show it's showing now how how poor that is. We had the conversation at the end of the, the transfer window about. Strikers and why they um, why they didn't sign anybody to, to back up Callum Wilson and it's already proving costly. Yeah. The fact that Dwight Gale can't get in the team and they can't move things around to, to accommodate Dwight Gale, I just find um, find absolutely astonishing. Um, but it just kind of shows where we are at the moment. There's a stat of how many games Newcastle have, um, I think, lost uh, or yeah, won without Callum Wilson, and Newcastle have claimed just two victories in their 17 Premier League games. Without the 29-year-old, you know we know that that's come from the BBC website. They know that the hierarchy knew the risk coming into these into these months ahead of the January window. They were taken by not signing Callum Wilson, and, and I know people watching and listening will be saying well, we've discussed this, and you know, but it's a massive gamble, and it is it's severely backfiring because they're not scoring goals without him. And at the end of the day, so football is a very simple game. You've got to score goals to to win games. 
Absolutely, yeah. Look, Wilson's such a good player that I think if he was, if he if his fitness record was better, I think he probably would have been in in a top six team. I think we said that in the summer. Um, you have to prepare for him being out for, for a period. If based on you know, the best predictor of future um, appearances is his what he's done in the last two three seasons. You know that that's what every when you speak to analysts, when you speak to um, recruitment specialists, they all say that that is one of the main things that you look at when you. And you consider whether a player is going to be available, you have to look at the last two seasons. Now, either Newcastle think that they have, you know, better, or they think that they, they think that they had enough. But but I just can't understand that. For, for me, it just feels like they they willfully sometimes make make the kind of mistakes that you just you, you can't believe. It's like everybody's telling them one thing and they decide to go another way. Um, you can't sell Yoshinori Mutu. Um, Andy Carroll leaves as well. Where are the goals going to come from? And, and so, so it proves you signed Joe Willock and they wanted a pat on the back for signing Joe Willock. But Joe Willock hadn't played through pre-season. So he was always going to take a while to get to get moving this season. As it's proved, they risked him two weeks ago when he'd been in a, a moon boot the week before, uh, a few days before. Suddenly he's got an injury on Saturday as well. I, I just sometimes wonder... What is going on with Newcastle United, and and why they feel the need to um, almost, you know, defy con uh, conventional logic on so many things, and then be surprised at the fact that they're second bottom in the league. You know, we keep getting told. I think there was the briefing last week was that they, you know, the team are improving. They're they're starting to be a bit more entertaining. The second bottom in the league. They've got three. They had three points from six games. They've got three points from seven games. When is it? When when do you start pressing the alarm bell, uh, the the, um, the alarm button? And I know it's all it's all well. He finished twelfth last season. He proved people wrong last season. Yeah, but you know it can't be that everybody who watches Newcastle United has come to the same conclusion about them that they you know that they are in trouble. They, something needs to change. Needed to change in the summer with the, with transfers. And you know now it's pretty clear that the only way they're going to affect performances is if they make a change in the dugout. They're not going to do that. And I think they're taking they're taking risks when you look at the, uh, the games coming up. I mean, the Wolves manager, Bruno Liège, said right from the first moment we felt we could win this. Now, that's easy to say once you have won it. But, you know, we put that video out on social media and a lot of fans have come back and said, well, you know, we knew that two days before, three days before, the week building up. And I think while some of that is tongue-in-cheek, some of it is actually a very real feeling amongst the fan base. We've spoken about apathy before, which has just grown with every result. Um, I think there is a very real feeling of fans looking around and thinking, well, who are we going to be? You know, they've drawn against Southampton. They've been beaten uh, off Wolves and they drew against Leeds. Um, you know, and then the next couple of games, you've got Spurs and I think Chelsea's coming up. You know, even you look at Brighton a, a few weeks away, Crystal Palace is, I think, three or four weeks away. You look at them and think, can Newcastle get the better of them? And it's these games against the likes of Wolves and Leeds that you really need to be picking up wins. And you can understand, Mark, can't you, the feeling amongst the fan base, which is just a bit, it's just a bit meh, isn't it? There's just like, yeah. you know, here we go again. Well, it's the, it's another season, you know, I think this is, I mean, half, I've lost count. I think, I think Gary Lineker said it, said it on match of the day. I've forgotten exactly how many times this is that now that Newcastle have gone seven games without, without actually winning anything. This is now the joint second worst start in Premier League history, I believe. Um Obviously, the season where Rafa Benitez was was in charge, the set final season. But 
the difference there was that things were, and he had been very vocal in the summer about how poor things had been, poorly things had been handled, and was prepared for the season to be to be a mess. Uh, Steve Bruce obviously was frustrated at the way that things went in the transfer market, but then the club released that statement, which was still. Um, we're still, you know, still amazed about that. That basically sort of said, "Well, get on with it." You knew what you knew what the situation was. We we should all be unified and you and, and, and united together. And and I I think the problem is at the moment you've got a fan base that's fed up. It it, it feels to me like even the anger's difficult. You know, I I kind of like you know anybody who spends a bit of time on 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 social media will tell you how you know frustrating it is to, to sit and sit on NUFC Twitter at the moment because it's it's so. It's so toxic and it's, it, you know, people arguing with each other about points that really shouldn't matter. You know, everybody getting very excited last week about the, um, the antitrust case, which we, we covered in, in great detail as well. But it's probably because what happens on a Saturday is so, so dull. It's so sapping. You've got Steve Bruce, who, you know, I think the things he comes out with are really poor. Talks about picking along, talks about, you know, the, the limit of ambition that Newcastle have now is to stay in the Premier League. It's the same every year. Um, you know, you're seeing teams that have no right to be better than Newcastle United in a lot of ways, outstripping the massively. Brighton are a team that came up with Newcastle United. Newcastle were one place better than them. Brighton have gone absolutely street ahead of Newcastle because of all the work they were doing behind the scenes. I saw a few people a couple of years ago sort of saying, oh, well, everybody goes on about Graham Potter and, you know, and saying, oh well, look at the look at the results he's got. Yeah, but they were putting things in place behind the scenes to get to the position where they are now. Um, you have clubs, you know, clubs that, that come up and, and outstrip Newcastle very, very quickly. Leeds obviously had a good season last season. Now they've, you know, they've not even had a very good start to the season, but they're ahead of Newcastle. Um, it's just it's just mind-numbing, you know, it's it's absolutely for me very, very depressing. I think it's a ghost ship. I think the people in charge have long given up any hope of taking Newcastle United forward. They're just hanging on and hoping that they can keep things, as Bruce said, ticking along while while they try and organise a sale. But, you know, for all the enthusiasm and, and excitement of last week's cat case and people sort of talking about that, I don't feel like we're necessarily any closer. There's been talk, I think, in Newcastle circles that could be a rival bidder that's moving closer to buying the club but how many times have we heard these things and we really need to concentrate on what's going on on a on a saturday and at the moment it's very poor there's a lot of a lot of people um you know i think underperforming for newcastle i think there's players could be doing better i think this manager could be doing better um I think the whole way through the club there's just it's just mediocrity at best um, and, and, it, and it's hugely worrying for me, you know, that how much longer can Newcastle keep going on? You know, you look in the, the Premier, you look in the Championship, sorry, at some of the clubs in there. You know, Middlesbrough are nowhere in the Championship now. Derby potentially going to get relegated because they've just gone through an administration. Nottingham Forest struggling in there. Sheffield Wednesday in League One. They've got no guarantee, Newcastle United, of being a Premier League club, of being a mainstay in the Premier League. Sunderland are in League One. They, it's alarming, really, the, the, the scale of kind of disappointment that I feel about the way that Newcastle United have gone. And when you see Rafa Benitez in fourth place in the Premier League with a with a team, admittedly a better team than the one Newcastle have got, but the signings he made in the summer, Demarai Great, Andros Townsend, Salomon Rondon, players who he would have signed for Newcastle if he'd been backed. And I remember getting into furious rows with people at Newcastle United about 
um, the way we covered Rafa Benitez leaving and people saying it was disgusting. We were one-sided. You know, we were only taking Rafa Benitez aside. But we knew, fans knew, if Rafa Benitez had stayed at Newcastle United, they would have been on a better trajectory than they are now. And the worrying thing is, it's all the things that we worry we worried about that summer are coming coming true. And yes, they might stay up. I, I you know I still think they've probably got enough to be one of the sort of 16 best teams in the Premier League, but it's not enough. And at the moment, there's absolutely no guarantees because I thought by now they would have picked up a couple of wins in the Premier League. You know, Southampton at home, um, you know, Watford away, Leeds at home when Leeds had so many players injured. It is worrying. It's very worrying. Spurs coming up, you know, Newcastle haven't got a good record generally against Spurs at St. James's Park. So I am worried. I am really, really worried. And the fact that they are going to stick on their, they're going to stick on their laws and they're not going to think about changing the manager. So he's going to get another two weeks. He's fallen out with the fans. He's fallen out with the media. You know, <clears throat> he's getting backing from the board, but the backing comes in the form of we won't sack you. It doesn't come in the form of we'll actually back you in the transfer market. It's a sorry, sorry, sorry situation. And that's why we're all sat here hoping that there's going to be a buyout and that's going to, that's going to go through and hoping that these kind of rumours materialise. But because if we're not, we're going to get through to January and it's not going to be a quick chat. It's not going to be a, if, if the arbitration happens in January, uh, the second, the second week of January, that would suggest that Mike Ashley's still in charge. There's not going to be a quick resolution on transfers. It's going to, like it did in the summer, it's going to rumble on until the sort of second half of January. Well, how many games are Newcastle going to, going to lose hoping for this takeover? You know, we keep hearing the takeover is close. It's going to happen. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. But, all the while, the grass is growing underneath their feet and they are, I think, in a very worrying position because the other teams in the Premier League, yeah, I think Norwich are going to struggle. I think Norwich are probably going to get relegated again. Um, when you look at the way that they're playing and you know the kind of calibre of their squad, I think they're probably going to get relegated. But every other position is up for grabs. Um, it's not like last season where you had three teams pretty much cut adrift very early on. It's not like that. Newcastle haven't had as good a start. They've had a very easy start, relatively. You know, there's only Manchester United, really, that I'd say, you know, I was worried about them playing. All the other teams, all the other games, they've been competitive in, but they haven't won, They haven't had enough to win. Um, we are really, I think, relying now on the players coming back and making them stronger and making them strong enough to go and, to go and win games. Thank you for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel, you'll get a notification saying we've done just that and you can listen to it straight away. And if you get the chance to leave us a review as well, that would be much appreciated. That really does help us out. You can also follow Chronicle Live's new Cash United channels over on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. And you can also stay up to date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport Newcastle United. Tick the box and you'll all be signed up. Once again, thank you for listening. And we'll now get back to the show. Um, it is just a bit of a mess. And I, I've written a piece which will go on up on the website later just about how Mike Ashley is approaching 
this and it, the whole situation we find ourselves in, Mark, in my opinion, is the kind of the definition of Mike Ashley's Newcastle United, where we have an underperforming manager who should be getting better out of this squad, and yet he has the backing. And you you mentioned some of the stats there. I mean, it's it's seven wins in thirty seven games, three times under Steve Bruce since he became manager or head coach. Newcastle have lost or haven't won in at least six games, and of course, then we've had the start of this season, you know, um, out of the cup and no wins in seven. It is it is a mess, but like you say, we expect him to roll on. Even a defeat against Spurs, you would likely expect him to still be in the dugout. And it just is a case of they seem to be, you know, it, it seems to be the expectation is is to survive. And, and, and as long as Newcastle United are within touching distance of that 17th place, and I don't expect a change to be made. So we could get a January, February, and as long as Newcastle are three points, four points off it, I think Steve Bruce will still be in charge, despite the fact and as you see, I've gone on record. I do think it is time for a change because I think also if we if we get the results, I think we'll just be back here in six, seven months' time. We saw what happened last season. Brilliant end to it. But, you know, here we are again. I just want to read the quotes from Steve Bruce after the defeat to Wolves. Um, as we mentioned, uh, the, the Wolves manager was... Um, he, he felt his side were going to win from, from pretty much kickoff. Steve Bruce said the following... There was not, nothing in it either way. I didn't think we deserved to get beaten. The first thing I always do is analyse myself. Could I do anything differently? I always analyse that. We will have a look at the game. I didn't think we deserved to get beat, but I've said that too many times. It is another one which has crept away from us. We'll get, but we'll go to work again. and Hopefully, we'll get some of our injured players back. We're on the Premier League. We are one of four sides who haven't had the win. We're still searching for it. It's been so close, but I keep saying the same thing. I didn't think we deserved to lose. <laughs> it sounds like even he's sick of saying the same thing, Mark. Yeah. I think the, the thing is, you could make a case, and the problem that, that we're having at the moment is you can make a case that the last two games, the trajectory was better. You know, even against Manchester United, um, you know, there were there, there were spells in that game where you felt like this, this team is, 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 you know, playing okay in that game. You know, it was, actually, Manchester United haven't been brilliant since then. But, you know, the whole momentum of that game you could understand them losing that match. They play Leeds, and I felt on that day they had a really bad start, but they did get better and they started playing. Playing, um, you know, some of their patterns of play were really good in the, the end of that first half. And second half, you know, they just couldn't. They just didn't step on on, on the um, on the juggier enough. Watford, they should have won. They played well in that game. It was a good away performance by Newcastle. The problem is that you then what you'd like to see is some progression there and some, you know, it's very difficult to win games in the Premier League. We know that, like, every manager who who has the kind of squad that um, Steve Bruce has got is going to find it difficult to to, to put back-to-back wins together. They're not they're not the strongest team. They're probably, you know, amongst that bottom third in terms of the quality of the squad. The, the, worry, that, the worry that comes is that, is it that, you know, because they're putting together decent spells, is flip side the case that they've actually got a better team, you know, are they underperforming when they should be doing when they should be doing better? Are they is could another manager come in and get more out of this team and more out of this squad? And I think that's the question that should be asked, in my opinion. It should that's the question that should be asked. I don't even think my my complaint with Newcastle is that question doesn't even get asked with Lee Charnley in charge. There is no challenging of the kind of orthodox. I know, you know. I know the kind of philosophy that he's got around Newcastle United. It's very much, you know, the, the idea is we'll sit and we'll we'll not listen to the outside noise. They always make a virtue of it. 
that we don't listen to what people are saying. We don't listen to the, the fans. We don't listen to the, the, the media. We don't, we, we, we sit, if we believe our man is right, then, then we'll stick with him. You believe Steve McLaren was the right man and he took you down, basically. You believe that John Carver was the right man and that nearly went very wrong. I don't think there's any introspection. I don't think there's any challenging of the kind of orthodoxy it needs. So I don't believe that anybody there um, turns around and kind of actually asks the question, what are we doing? Are we doing the right things? I think, you know, Mike Ashley ultimately has the, the, the deciding voice. I don't think he knows anything about football. I think he's utterly clueless about what, it, what makes a good football club. I think the Lee Charney just does what the path of least resistance. And he knows that if he, if he, well, he, he would not make the decision anyway. I don't think he would not be able to make the decision without it going through Justin Barnes and Mike Ashley. I think in order for him to, to go and make that decision, things would have to get a lot, lot worse. Um, they would have to be absolutely in, in, in um, you know, in, in very, very deep relegation trouble. And of course the hierarchy would turn around and say, well, Everybody told us to sack him last year, but we went on the best run of the season. And that's the that's their that'll be the guiding philosophy really of, of what they're gonna do now. They'll set, turn around and say, Well, you all told us to sack him last year and we went on a fantastic run. Well, we'll see how it works out. You know, we all hope that they've got enough in them to to go and win games. And obviously, when the players come back, the, you know, their two best players, in my opinion, Callum Wilson, Martin Bravka, are out at the moment. That does make a big difference. John Joe Shelby's been very important, Steve Richards. Well, so yeah, it does make a massive difference now you know i'd hope that they have enough when they come back but looking at the bigger picture to say that newcastle united are just hoping that players come back so they can actually get a win on the board when you know they should be they should by now by the four seasons into them returning to the premier league there should have been some form of progression and i think that's what rafa benitez always talked about progressing 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 you know and, and to be fair, Steve Bruce has talked about that as well, but I don't think we're in that position. I don't think they've got better year on year. I think the unimaginative way that they approached the squad building was to basically just renew all the contracts of the players that they had. They didn't look to get them, they looked to improve. They looked to just basically maintain and tick along. And, um, you know, the reason that they're doing that is because they, they hope, I think, and it is hope rather than necessarily expectation now, that, um, that a takeover is around the corner. It's possible, but you know when their QC sat sat at, um, at the uh, preliminary hearing last week, and you know I had to laugh because he sat there and presented articles from the Chronicle and the Telegraph, basically saying that you know the, the, um, you know there's no guarantee that this takeover will happen. Well, maybe you should tell the people involved in the consortium that because you know they hope that this takeover could still happen, but. You know, when you're sitting there saying, well, there's no guarantee that it'll happen on the same terms. Well, what if the club gets relegated? You know, I think if, if it happens in January and they're in the bottom three, there's no way you'll get the same terms that you, you agreed last two summers ago. So why is he not, why in the summer and why now are they not taking steps to pr protect their asset? Who knows? I think it's probably just blind faith at the moment. Uh, and I hope that, Steve Bruce can turn it round. But if they've seen something in this, then they've seen something that I haven't yet. Hmm, it's a definitely a dangerous game to play. I mean, we've spoken about it previously as well, Mark, on, on previous episodes, but you mentioned there the fact that no one in the hierarchy asks the questions. Uh, I mean, how important is that for a manager to have someone who is above and he's, I know that they come down and say, look, this, this isn't good enough. This is not where this club should be. I'm not, I'm just talking about generally, because I think in the way of life, that is, that is the way you improve constructive criticism. You have someone telling you, you know, if you're a waiter and you keep getting the order wrong or you keep dropping the food, 
you're going to get a word or two in the air before you get the boot. And it, it seems, looking at it, that there's no one above just putting that little bit of pressure on Steve Bruce saying, you know, we should be beating Wolves. You know, we shouldn't have just, was it, three points from the first seven games. And I just wonder, um, in terms of kind of the, the motivation that would give Steve Bruce if there was someone above him telling him that and, and pushing him to get to the next level. Well, I don't, I think the, the general problem, I, I'm not sure it necessarily is like massively constructive to have a, a chairman who'd be undermining you all the time, you know, and, and, and maybe in the past Newcastle have had hierarchies that have maybe been quite woolly on the people that they're, uh, on, the, on the people that they employ. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with kind of supporting the manager and, and, and backing him. I think the problem comes when it's not that he's, he's sitting there and saying it's not good enough. There's no football hierarchy in the club whatsoever. They have one man who's in day-to-day contact with Steve Bruce, and that's Lee Charnley. They don't have an owner who's involved, but he does get involved occasionally. They're one of only three clubs in the entire football, uh, in the entire Premier League, who don't have a director of football or a sporting director or a technical director. Somebody else in the club who maybe can, can help them push things forward, um, you know, take some control of other things, you know, like transfers, recruitment, things like that. At the moment, you've got Steve Bruce and he's got a, an awful lot of power in there. You know, he's the guiding voice in recruitment. Um, he's, you know, effectively the, the director of coaching as well because he's the man who who makes those decisions. Um, they've got a lot of coaches, but they've not got anybody on the board or anybody in a position of influence with any football authority whatsoever. And I've, I've never liked that at all at Newcastle United. They tried to go down the route of coaching, of, of um, technical director, but it was, you know, or director of football, but it was joking here. He wasn't fit for the job. Um, he, you know, he wasn't the right choice for the job. And it was, it was very much because Mike Ashley was friends with him. Um, and I, 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 you know, I've never felt that that's a very good setup. It's, it's a club that's, that's threadbare in terms of the um, resources that it's got. Um, you know, it's got no board. It's a very streamlined and hollowed out structure, in my opinion. I don't think there's a lot of people there who, you know, are are in positions of authority. You've got a lot of football knowledge. You know, Justin Barnes is has been there for five or six years now. And what's his experience in football? He's never never been a he's not accountable to anybody. You know, we don't know anything about him. He's never given an interview. Lee Charney hasn't spoken for two years. Mike Ashley, last time he spoke was the Daily Mail. He can give out statements about um, the takeover. But he never talks about the football side of things. And, you know, it's just, um, for me, it, it, that's the reason why Steve Bruce is still there, because nobody wants to take the decision um, and go out and get somebody who's who's maybe better or who's going to you know, do something differently. Don't forget, when they got rid of Steve McLaren, it was Rafa Benitez who approached the club rather than the other way around. Um, and that's my worry is that I don't think they've got the structure at the moment that, that, that they necessarily even go out and get a coach. Um, although there will be plenty of people who would want the job, I think, if it, if it became available. Just want to finish then on some comments from fans. So we put out on Twitter and request for people to just pop their comments about the first seven games um, onto us on Twitter to keep it clean. And, and, and most people manage to do that. And, I've popped on the screen here. I'll read out a few of them for our listeners on the on the podcast. We have people saying it's a really poor start of the season. Sloppy defensively. No plan except pass it to Alan St. Maxman. Sleepwalking to relegation. We've um, got Bruce's turn of solid defensive unit into a shaky, leaky one. Uh, Mark saying it would be borderline acceptable if we had a tough start, but the fixtures have been favourable and we have failed to obtain sufficient points. And Paul 
putting it simply, one word he says, desperate. And I, I mean, they're all valid points, Mark. We've covered most of them, but I think for me, the, the most, the, the biggest worry is the fact that the start has been reasonably kind to Newcastle. I know you've got to play every side uh, twice during the season, so it doesn't really matter. But when you look at what's to come, these are the games you would say Newcastle should have been targeting for for you know maximum points. I said four points at Watford and Wolves would have been acceptable to a degree. They've only got one point from it. Uh, you know, yeah, the next few weeks after this international break, they do, it does look daunting. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, I agree with the point that, um, that Mike uh, Mike Senior has made there, you know, about the, the culmination of years of underinvestment, lack of care and absence of respect. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Who didn't see this coming? You know, is the one Newcastle United fan or one person who's got any knowledge of Newcastle United that didn't see this start coming? I don't think so. You know, we, we hoped that it might not be the case, but, but we all feared that they would be kind of in the trouble that they're in because they hadn't improved the, the team from last year. And I just think, you know, it, it was inevitable. And, you know, I, I still think relegation, I don't think they will get relegated because I think they will find a way to pick up the points because they've got decent players. And when they get the injured players back, they'll they'll, they'll move there. But but if they're not taken over, then... Um, it's good. We're going to be here again next year, and and you know eventually they will get they will get relegated because that's the pattern of the Mike Ashley era. Um, and how depressing is that? I don't think there's probably a bleaker club in the Premier League at the moment than Newcastle United. There's teams that are worse. There's no bleaker team than Newcastle United because the situation just around the whole club, and the feeling around it, and just the way that they are with everybody, and the sort of you know the the, the attitude that the club has to its fans and to to um, even to the manager, I think, in some ways, is, um, you know, in my opinion, isn't um, isn't conducive to long-term success. You know, I've argued that for years and years and years. And, you know, they just turn around and say we're, we're being negative and, you know, why there's so much negativity coming out of, you know, the people who, who sit and watch as well. The reason's clear for me. Um, they, you know, that they're not producing on the, on the field, not producing off it. Well, the numbers are there to suggest, you know, we, we, we only report on what we're watching and what we're seeing. Um, I just want to ask you finally, Mark, when we ask people, you know, what would you like to see Newcastle achieve or what Newcastle do next with Steve Bruce, people tend to come back and say, well, there's there's what we think they should do and what Newcastle United will do. So I'm going to ask the same question for you, but I want you to and I want you to answer like that. What you would do, what you think Newcastle United do. So, for example, uh, at what point, if the results continue in this manner, does Steve Bruce, act, does his job actually become under threat? So, in your view? I think I think they have to be sort of six points, seven points, um, or maybe six points in relegation trouble. If they, if they go another, if they go to the next international break and they still haven't won a game, um, I wonder whether then questions might be asked. I still think that, that he'll make the case that, you know, look, it was one defeat. It'll depend on how they're playing. If, if, if if they lose the the dressing room, and I think that's a big thing. If players start to sort of down tools and there is start to lose games comfortably, um, then then that that will that will I think probably prompt some questions. But at the moment, it's just difficult to see when at what point that that comes. I, I think they won't get cut adrift because there are other poor teams in the league. And if they're still within three points, you know, I. I it probably the question probably won't be asked until until they're maybe in deeper trouble than that. Um, would I make a change? Yeah, I would have made a change last year. Um, 
but it's a very funny football club as we've just mentioned there you know like what I would do is just not on the radar you know I think what most fans would do is just not on the radar at the moment so we have to consider that you know and and I think I think we'll be getting into the you know deeper into the winter before they make any sort of decisions um, around uh, around Steve Bruce or they, they ask any questions around Steve Bruce. Which I think is it's just baffling when you look at the numbers. Ooh, a bit of uh, bite back there with the audio. Uh, but everyone watching, thank you very much. Please remember to like and subscribe. And if you listen later on the podcast, please do the same. Then share it with your cast United supporting friends and family. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news.